Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Go to the Word of God together. We want to start in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 5. Of course, if you're with Metro Church online, as I was just a couple of minutes ago, you will be able to access the notes there, which I think is just pretty amazing. They're there for you. Genesis 37 verse 5, just this one verse says, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. One more verse, Genesis chapter 40, also the life of Joseph, verse 23. Joseph now, uh, after that vision from God, after that dream has come to his life, we know many of us the story. His brothers actually sell him into slavery. He's taken to Potiphar's house. His uh, uh, boss's wife, Uh, accuses him of an attempted rape. He gets thrown unjustly into prison. He uh, exercises the gift of God in his life and with the king's cupbearer and the king's baker. And and the king's cupbearer promises to remember him and so take a hold of this verse. Genesis 40 verse 23, Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. I'll read you those two verses again. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. In verse 23 of chapter 40, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Joseph never asked God to pick him. He hadn't been praying for a vision. He hadn't been saying, Lord, put a burden on my heart. Some of the greatest visionaries and some of the greatest visions that I've ever known with people that I've loved and got to know well, I've discovered that it wasn't always that they were seeking God for a ministry. It wasn't always that they were saying, Lord, please do something great or here's what I'd like you to bless. Sometimes it just comes. Sometimes it's not of your choosing. I remember reading as a fairly young Christian the story of a great woman of God called Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman in her day, she's passed away now, but she would every month hold a healing rally at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles. That auditorium seats 10,000 and people would literally fly from around the world. Matter of fact, I remember reading the story of a Qantas pilot who flew from Australia across to one of her meetings because medically he'd been told he couldn't live. They said, we have no way to help you. And he flew across there and I read the book of the testimony of his healing, of the miracle that he got there. But you've got to understand that at this time in the 50s and the 60s, it really wasn't considered okay for a woman to preach. A lot of the church was struggling with that concept out of their traditions rather than the Word of God. And so a lot of people criticised her even though it was obvious that God was using her. And so quite a number of people asked her this question, why is it that God chose you? How come it is now? I'm not sure whether this was her heart of hearts or not, but I do know that her response was this. She said, I wasn't the first person God asked. I was just the first person who said yes. And I believe that many people, when we get to heaven, we'll discover, I'm very sure, I said to someone only last week when I was in Adelaide, The older I get 
And the more I'm serving God, the more I understand how it is all God's grace. And so little of it is my talent or any gift that maybe I've contributed to. The more I begin to see that the awesome grace of God, maybe you will be used by God in an extraordinary way. People are in the life of this church being used in extraordinary ways. We celebrate that. We're so glad about it. But I don't know, maybe you're like Catherine Gilman. Maybe you're not the first person that God asked. Maybe you're just the first one who said yes. But I do know that when vision comes, it's incredibly exciting. I still believe with all my heart that vision from God is a privilege to carry. It's a joy to have. It's an honour to serve. We don't go about saying how difficult it is. Oh, never, how could we? It's our privilege. Every day, the presence of God and the closeness of God and the, the overwhelming grace of God that makes it all possible. No matter who you are and no matter what your role is, it's incredible when God uses your life in a, in a marvellous way. It's a great thing. But I also know that almost every vision I've ever known that was great will encounter a stage where it seems like your life is on hold. And that's what we read in Genesis 40, verse 23. It's the story of a man who called by God, never asked for it, just simply said yes. And then he encounters this moment where he's forgotten. And it seems like his life is on hold. And when that happens, when setbacks occur, it's frustrating. It's challenging when people disappoint your life. But when Joseph's life is on hold, I'm going to take you quickly tonight to three verses that give you a bit of an insight into what to do when your life gets on hold. Much of the world right now, many parts of the world. I was online with somebody, a, a friend of mine overseas, who for the last year has been carrying a vision, going, I believe this is what God wants, but it's like the thing has, no door has opened up. It hasn't uh, come to any fruition. What do you do when you know that God has put His hand on your life, but it's not happening, it's not opening? Here, listen to the heart of this man, Joseph, even though he's in that place. Genesis chapter 37, verse 13. This is before his brothers sell him into slavery. But I've never seen this before, that right from the very beginning, he's not a spoiled brat. He's not just the favoured son. He is maybe his father's unwise in exalting him above the brothers, I don't know. But Joseph, it says there, Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And so uh, Joseph says to his father, Jacob or Israel, he says to him, here I am. Not, hey, Dad, I don't want to get my, my beautiful coat of many colours you gave me dirty. Hey, Dad, don't you know my, my brothers aren't exactly, you know, my biggest fans. He just says, I don't care how difficult it is. He said, here I am. Can I encourage you tonight, no matter what's going on in your life, never lose the posture of here I am. Never lose the heart, no matter how difficult it might be, no matter what it may look like, never lose that simple thing of saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do? 
here I am. Here I am. Let's look on Genesis chapter 39. Now he's in, in Potiphar's house and he's a slave and his life is worth nothing. He has no rights. There is no one looking out for his interests. Genesis 39 verse 4. So Joseph found favour in his sight and served him. How many people do you know who if maybe the workplace isn't the way it ought to be, they slowly but surely begin to wind back from it and instead of serving in that place with joy, they begin taking shortcuts. They begin to just go cut the boss's time down a bit. After all, they owe me, but not this guy. He says that he found favour and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put on his authority. The truth is, if you have the right posture, God will find a way to promote you in the most difficult time. I believe it. Amen. I think one of the great secrets of David's life is that he never felt the need to push his own agenda. He never had to say, you know what? I'm going to manoeuvre. I'm going to work politically. I'm going to somehow or other get people's favours and so they owe me a hand. But this guy, David, said, you know what? The Lord is my justifier. I believe no matter who you are, serve well. Have you got a tough boss? Have you got a bad boss? Serve as well as you can. I'm not saying you've got to become a doormat at all. Joseph didn't do that. Matter of fact, when the shortcut was there with Potiphar's wife, he didn't take the shortcut. He kept on going. Well, you know, it goes from there, it gets worse. He goes to jail. Genesis 39, same chapter, verse 22. It says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. What kind of spirit do you and I carry when our life's on hold, are you going to say, I mean, I had something just this week where I got asked to do something. And, you know, there's a part of your life that can go, well, you know, really, I'm not sure that they deserve that. But I'll tell you what, I'd go, that's not the kind of posture I want to live my life out of. And so I just said, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. Come on. If you live your life always repaying people for the challenges or the disappointments or the difficulties, how on earth is God ever going to raise you up? Amen. Come on. I'm praying that no matter who you are, if you've got a neighbour that is just really difficult. I showed up at Edge last week and the first person to greet me was a policeman because apparently they've got a difficult neighbour at that particular campus and uh, who kind of, and because of Adelaide law apparently, it's the police that have to come. And I, th I thought they were checking on my G2G pass. I really did. I'm pulling out my phone, getting ready to prove that I'm allowed to be there. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden they said, no, 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 he's not here for you. Um, it's something or other else. But I know the posture of the church isn't one of how dare they, we've got our rights. The posture of the church is one of how can we bless? How can we do good? Come on. Because the truth is that your vision can be on hold, but your destiny never is. I hope you'll get this tonight. Your vision can be on hold. Maybe you've knocked on a door and the door hasn't opened. Maybe you've asked and you've heard nothing back. Maybe you've looked and you haven't found anything that even looks remotely like some kind of reward. And you'd say tonight, Jeff, my vision's on hold. Let me encourage you that if your vision's on hold, your destiny never is. How do I know that? Because Psalm 31 verse 15, listen to it. My times are in your hand. Deliver me, watch this, deliver me from the hand. 
there's two hands into which your life can sit. Your life can sit in the hand of your enemies. You can go around acting like it's the enemies, it's the circumstance, it's the government, it's the job, it's the neighbours, it's the community, it's men, it's women, it's parents, it's young people. You can go around and, and put all your life into that hand or you can decide like David does in this psalm, I'm going to choose the hand of God. He says, God, I'm not going to let my times be in that hand. I'm believing, Lord, that my times are in your hand, in Jesus' name. My times are in your hand, not circumstances, not the hand of others. Your vision might get on hold, but your destiny never is. Come on, let me pray a minute. I, um, I want you to get this tonight because I don't know who you are or what your circumstances may be, but I know that some of you here, it's almost like park. It is, it, you're in, you feel almost like God's parked you and you've been forgotten. Listen to the words of Joseph. You know, the chief butler forgot him, but his destiny wasn't on hold. If you study the story, that hiatus, that pause actually is a divine space getting him ready so that when Pharaoh's got a dream, right after that will come seven years of plenty. There was a divine calendar that was underway and it took a two-year space for that seven to get rid of him. If he'd come out and Pharaoh had the dream right then, he would have missed it. It wouldn't have worked. There was a two-year space and then. It's the same as I preached a couple of weeks ago about the day of Pentecost and about how when the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one place in one accord. And then there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. But it never came on day one or day two or day three or day four or five or six or seven or eight or even nine, but on day 10. Now we look back and we understand some of us would the teachings of the Old Testament and that from Passover to Pentecost is 50 days and that Jesus died and was crucified on the Feast of Passover. He's our Passover lamb. And that then there was a 40-day period, 40 represents testing and he appears to them all uh, for 40 days to the disciples. 500 people saw him during those 40 days. On the day of Pentecost, only 120 people. Last 10 days, 380 people go, you know what? Uh, my times aren't happening. It's not coming to pass. And they leave or they don't even start. I don't know. But they're not there. And 10 days later, it's the Feast of Pentecost the feast of the outpouring, the feast of the gathering. Now we look at that and I can tell you all that now, but if I'd been one of the disciples, I wouldn't have had a clue. I wouldn't have known when it was. How many people know sometimes God doesn't tell you what he's about to do next? How many people have discovered God hardly ever tells you what he's going to do next? How many people keep on saying, Lord, what are you going to do next? Amen. Well, I'll stay for the town hall meeting. Your vision can be on hold. Your destiny can't be. God's got you. God's got His hand. Come on, God's got His hand in your life. Come on, God's got His hand in your life. I'm preaching better than, than, than I'm hearing from you at the moment, but that's, that's okay because you're Aussies. Uh, and we're just like that. We listen deeply. Uh, you know, but I want you... <laughs> I remember the first time I ever preached in America. Uh, I was preaching at the Teen Challenge uh, farm, Reversburg. Was that Reversburg? Uh, I think it was. And uh, there's like seven or 800 young men in front of me. Well, I'm preaching 
and they drown them out, man. They're just amening everything. I, I hardly got to say anything. And when the, when they first start doing, it, I'm just stopping, going like, "What's going on?" And then I realised that was just the way they did it, you know. And so then I had to kind of gear up and just roll over the top. And uh, I don't know why I told you that, but I just did. Anyway, your vision can be on hold. Here's number two: when your life sings on hold, sharpen the axe. Ecclesiastes chapter ten, verse ten. If the axe is dull and one doesn't sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. When vision's on hold, it's not the time to sleep. It's not the time to press pause. It's not the time to grumble. Paul, the church planner, that's his reputation. That's his ministry. That's all he's done since he came to Christ been a voice to the Gentiles, gone out and planted churches all around the known Gentile world. And then he appeals unto Caesar in that fateful moment. He appeals unto Caesar. And so unto Caesar thou shalt go. And he's carried off to Rome, smuggled there, and he's put in a house under guard full time. And the church planting missionary who's gone around the world no longer goes anywhere. Does that ring a bell with anyone here? The church planting missionary who's travelled and gone and been and come, now he can't go anywhere and it would be so easy just to go, you know what? I'm just going to get my next sermon ready. I'm waiting for the release. I'm waiting for when the government releases travel. So I'd update it for you. But you know, Paul's in jail. Let me tell you what Paul does. He writes the book of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and possibly, according to some commentators, the book of Hebrews as well. And every single one of them Almost one half of the entire New Testament was written by a man called of God when his life was on hold. Think about it now. So what are you doing right now if your life's on hold? Are you sharpening the axe or are you sitting there complaining about how to put you in this and how it happened? I love this church and I love the spirit generally. It's not from me, I don't think, but... It's just a part of all of our lives where everyone just goes, how do we do it? What can we do? And so there's a whole range of things. Hope last year during lockdown just kept on going, they can't come to us, we're going to go to them. Transform Cambodia. I'm not sure, we had a board meeting a couple of weeks ago, nearly 600,000, no, got to get this, 600,000 meals have been delivered to people's homes since the pandemic started in that city. What are you doing to sharpen your axe? A year ago, we had Red Frog's commissioning service right here. The police commissioner, our guest, and he stood up on this platform and he said, I want you to know that if I think we have to do it, I will shut the whole thing down. And that's one week out. But you know, the team doesn't go, well, well, we'll just wait. Everyone keeps the axe sharp, amen. So what are you doing? Are you sharpening your eggs? 
Maybe right now your life is, seems to be about restriction. Don't allow restriction to prevent your destiny and to stop you getting ready. You don't know what God is, listen to me, you don't know what God is going to do in your time that seems your most challenging. You don't know if it won't be the greatest time of your life. Amen. Here's the third thing out of these couple of verses in Genesis. First one's your vision could be in a hole, but your destiny never is. Secondly, sharpen your axe. Thirdly, is develop your gifts. Develop them. God never gives you a gift that's fully blown, fully developed, and doesn't need work. It says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 19, the brothers say about him, behold, this master of dreams comes. In other words, this guy's gotten good at it. I meet people all the time who think because they've got a gift. Matter of fact, I was listening. You've never heard of this guy's name's Eric Vitro. I doubt if anyone in this place has heard of his name. But he's the person behind Ariana Grande and behind Shawn Mendes and uh, so many of the most famous artists in the world. And I was listening to this man being interviewed and he was talking about how these amazing artists, he said, you think they've just got a gift. He said, what you don't know is how many times, he said, one of them, I've been working with them for, for uh, I think it was 15 years. And so we see them on a stage and we go, isn't that, a, oh, wow, what a gift. And then behind the scenes, someone's been working, developing a gift. Amen. Someone's been working. Are you with me tonight? Because some of you here, you feel a pull of the Holy Spirit towards something. And you're waiting for God to go, well, here, I'm going to do it. Demosthenes was a famous orator. His problem was that he had a terrible stutter. So Demosthenes went down to the river and picked up some smooth stones like marbles and put them in his mouth and began to speak. He said, if I can speak clearly with a mouthful of stones, who knows what I'll do without them? Amen. So many people are waiting for a gift just to turn up. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 says, This strong meat belongs to those uh, who are of a full age. That is those, watch this, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, you can get good at discernment. You can get good at spiritual life and about spiritual truth. Do you think God's got his hand on your life or something? I would encourage you, begin to develop it. Begin to develop it. Do you want to get more out of the Word? Read a lot more of it. Amen. The Macedonian church, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 talks about the generosity of the Macedonian church. Do you know how they were became famous for generosity? They did it a lot. That's what it says. They did it a lot. What? Listen to me tonight. What is it you want to get good at? Do you want to get good at loving people that are unlovely? Then do it a lot. Never allow fear to draw the circle around your life. Amen? What would they say? Come on. Oh, you know, uh, sometimes broken people. We had a, a situation in Hope a couple of weeks back where 
this guy was kind of going off his nut, really. And my office sits above it and I could hear a lesson. It kept on going and going and going. I thought, well, I'll just go down. So I go down there. And he's this guy and he's throwing stuff everywhere. And to be really honest, I, I'm not a trained, you know, macho. Jackie Chan is not me, you know, or anything like that. And none of that stuff. I'm just a little old me. And I'm standing there and I have no idea what to do with this guy who's off his nut. But, you know, I, I looked at him and I thought, he's just another broken person. I said, come on, mate. I said, it doesn't have to be like this. And I bent down, and this was the turning point. I bent down and started picking up all the stuff he's thrown around the car park. I've never seen why he just went like that and changed, shifted. Because all of a sudden, instead of the response he expected, something happened. What do you want to get good at? Are you with me? Come on, some of you here, you go, you, Jeff, you don't understand, I'm shy. What do you want to get good at? Amen. Joseph was ready. Here's my final thing for you to grab a hold of for tonight. Joseph was ready when opportunity came. Can you imagine what it would have been like? Pharaoh, here's the story from the king's cupbearer. Remember, it's two years ago. So they go and they get Joseph out of jail and they put a new coat on him. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because coats got him into trouble. Now a coat gets him out of trouble. Anyway, he comes out and they shave him and get him ready and make him smell nice because he's been in a not-so-hygienic place. And they bring him out and Pharaoh goes, I've had a dream and none of my wise men or soothsayers can tell me what it's about. But they tell me you're good at it. And Joseph goes, oh, yeah, but that was two years ago? Like, hello? Like, I've been in jail, you goose. Really? Like, hello? You know, I mean, what do you think I've been doing? I've been carrying out the slop buckets. Man, I've been, I've been organising rosters in this place. I've had time for us. Can you just give me six months to pray about it? And I'll come back with an answer for you. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Can I tell you, when the opportunity comes, you don't have six months to go and pray about it. Make sure you're ready. I make sure your axe is sharp. Make sure you've developed your gifts and make sure you're ready for what God wants to bring into your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. Oh God, every one of us, come on. Come on, every one of us. I feel tonight the rising of every heart in this place of people going, yeah, that's me. That's me in Jesus' name. That's me. I want to rise to what God has for me. Right now, maybe your vision's on hold. But God is saying to you tonight, your destiny's not. I've got it. My, your times are in my hands. In Jesus' name. Father, help each life. Help every one of us. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're speaking. Lord, I thank you for what you're whispering into the lives of Christian leaders all over the globe. This is the hour. This is a great moment. This is a time of harvest like never before. Thank you for all the people, Lord, we've seen coming to know you, people coming to Christ every service. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Help each one of us. Lord. Come on. Can we stand together? I exalt thee. Is that the right key? Is that what you're playing? No, it's not. No, that's okay. You'll find the right one, you know, because I might have taken you to the ceiling. Come on, let's sing it again for a minute. Let's do that.
Take a minute, come on everyone. I want you to take a, a space right where you are. Right now, just allow the Holy Spirit just to come to where you are right now. Come on, let Him speak to you. you don't, don't say to me, oh God never talks to me. He talks all the time to all of His children. Sometimes they're not listening, they're not tuned in. They haven't exercised their senses. Begin right now to say, Lord, I'm ready. I want to hear from you. I'm going to allow you to speak something into my life right now that's going to take me into what you have for me in Jesus' name. Come on now, let's sing it together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Christ, you have no idea what you're missing out on. Listen to these words of Jesus. He said, the thief comes but for to kill, to rob and to destroy. He said, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. You will not lose by giving your life to Jesus. The only thing you'll lose is your guilt, your shame, your sin, your past. What you'll gain is destiny and future and hope, joy, a peace that passes all understanding. Father, I pray tonight for anybody that's in this service or online with us now or during the week. And they're saying in their heart, I wish I knew Jesus. I pray for those Lord who, who made us commitment to you years ago. Somehow or other, they wandered away and grew cold and lost their path. Lord, tonight they're going to say their yes again to you. Lord, thank you for them. Thank you for their yes. Lord, heaven hears their yes. I might never know their story, Lord, but you will know it intimately. You welcome them home. Thank you for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Look this way if you're a part of this service. You say, Jeff, how do I get started? It's so easy. I love this. You give your yes to Christ if you're in Australia. 0488826392. If you're outside of Australia or you want our help via email, 
then it's yes.metrochurch.org.au. Of course, if you're a metrochurch.online, just click the yes button. We'll help you with that. And then we'll begin to send you some encouragement, some help, some things that will make such a difference to your life. I've spoken to people that did that yes. And then told me later, I said, how did you come to Christ? They go, I was yes texting. They said it was like God spoke to me every day. I'd love you to do it. Thank you for responding to Jesus. If you're in the building, thank you for responding to Christ. Don't miss out. Let God touch your life in Jesus' name. Let the Holy Spirit in. You'll be so glad that you did. In the mighty name of Jesus.